1: yeah. Hello, and welcome back to the So You Think You Can Ball podcast, our one-on-one series. Uh, another special guest for you today. Our uh, part two, uh, as we deep dive into our very own panelists, uh, Stacey Spear. Stacey, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Yeah. No. Look, it's uh, we've we've already received uh, quite some positive feedback from our first uh, one-on-one episode. So, really looking forward to finding out a little bit more and sharing some more information with our listeners. Let's get straight into it. Um, Stacey, tell us a little bit about your career and studies uh, away from sport. Oh, look,
0: you know, I, I started as, as most teenagers do, you know, working in, in hospitality, working in retail. I managed to store in EB Games, uh, so that opened me up to the world of you know, online gaming and, and the communities that come with that, and that was super fun. Um, and then I moved, in, I moved into Sydney, and I started working in advertising and marketing sales. Um, and I was there for, you know, five or six years and till I started playing footy and realised that I wanted to spend my time doing sport as a career and went about trying to achieve that and um, randomly applied for a, a job for a company called Huddle, which is a sports tech company. Um, they do video analysis for a majority of their um, American football teams around the world um, and was fortunate to be the, one of the first – female employees uh, in Australia and so I got to spend some time over in Nebraska for a good couple of weeks spent some time with some college football teams over there um, and that's sort of where my sports journey started
1: Wow and and so I, I guess there's there's a lot of people you know there's I guess this myth out there for a lot of younger people where you're supposed to just wake up one day you know around 17 18 year 11 year 12 and you're just suddenly supposed to know what you're going to do with the next with the rest of your life, I, I guess that, that's that's just not the case for people. But tell us about sort of what you were feeling, you know, when you were sort of doing your advertising work. What sort of made you think that, you know, there, there was something more out there for you?
0: Yeah, look, you know, working in sales, it takes a certain type of person. Um, you know, when we spoke in our last episode around um, my anxiety and, and depression sort of coming about as a result of that, um, and sales is so high stress, it's such a high stress environment that I never saw there to be any top of the mountain. Um so once I sort of realized that I was like, look, I can't like I just can't keep showing up every day trying to make more money than I made yesterday. I just I just can't do it. There has to be something else out there that gives me more passion. And at at the time was when I just started playing football. Um, and just the enjoyment that I got out of playing football just inspired me to go, what what could I do? Like, what what could I, could I possibly do? Um, and this was a time when, you know, I was working for um, a big publisher and they were just breaking into the digital social media space, um, and that fascinated me because I've always loved science and I've always loved technology, and um, actually using, you know, a sports analysis program like Huddle in my football sports life was like, hey, once I saw that job come up, as an opportunity. I'm like, no, this can't be a thing. Like, this is Mm -hmm. the, this is a dream job. Like, what is this? This combines technology and sport all at the same time and digital. Um, And then applying for that was just sort of, uh, and then, and then getting that was like, oh my God, what is this? What is this opportunity? And just sort of propelled me into this world of sport that I'd never even knew existed.
1: Uh, you know, I don't know whether I'm a person that believes in fate or or something's happening in the universe, but um, life comes at your heart, and these opportunities just randomly pop up. But for, for so, what was it? You were just sort of you know having a bit of a, a look around. You saw the job pop up, pop up, and you yeah, thought, "This is it was, this it is was my just dream
0: a dream. it was just one of those you know midnight on the computer." <laughs> you know, finishing up, you know, work reports and things like that and just going, what else is there? What Just what else? And then, you know, stumbling across it on LinkedIn and, and applying for it and just here we are.
1: Well, we'll start off with, with the locker room and, and then we'll, we'll, go, we'll go back to, to a lot of the production work. But talk us through what that kind of looks like for our athletes when they sort of walk in on a Monday into a locker room and then they start to sort of go through video. What, what does that kind of look like?
0: Yeah, look, I think, you know, video, video is such an important element of learning as an athlete um, because all of a sudden, uh, especially with elite athletes or athletes that aren't, you know, beginner athletes, they get a lot more um, usefulness out of watching the smaller uh, things that you wouldn't pick up in a in a whole of game day like situation. We're looking at techniques. We're looking at, um, you know, really minuscule body movements and body patterns and things like that. Um, but from a, from a coaching perspective, it was also something that, you know, I'm a very visual learner. So video really spoke to me. And as I was going out, um, starting working with Huddle, going to different organizations, uh, we found that all these different sporting organizations were using video in different ways. So Huddle was basically an a, a online cloud type uh, platform where we upload our film and then we can upload our coaching notes. We can upload game stats. Um, we can start practice. Uh, you film your practices and things like that so as an athlete being able to receive personalized feedback being able to um, visualize the coaching notes was really really helpful and it really brings a lot back to um, applying your own self-learning through film so I, I love I'm a mechanics kind of kind of coach you know I love the tiny one percent details I like the straight lines I'm, I'm all about the physics um, and so working through uh, film with mechanics and, and working with athletes, they can actually get a visual for what I'm trying to say or, or what we're trying to get the concept across. And, you know, you have your bad games and when that's on film, you, you dread going into those film reviews and you're just like, oh, man, I know I did something wrong. Oh, I'm about to get chewed out in front of everyone right now. But it holds you accountable. Um, you just you can't use the excuse of, oh, no, nah, that didn't happen. What are you talking about? I don't remember that because it's right there. It's just- you know, the best best coach is film
1: it's so different isn't it i mean for, for those for those at home you know think about your own jobs you know whether whether it's not in the sporting industry imagine if there was just a video on you for your entire shift and they were breaking down you know your performances throughout the day and then just being an account, accountable to your team uh, to your teammates it's, there there's some big life lessons there um you know reflecting on your career have you got a bit of a funny bad habit that you didn't know you had um and then you sort of picked that up on video is there anything that sort of comes to mind um, you know, one of your, your own valuable uh, lessons that you picked up from video?
0: Yeah, look, like once I started using film um, to analyse myself, I started using it in, in all the sports that I was doing. And for me, um, being a, a softball pitcher and then a baseball pitcher and then throwing as a quarterback, the mechanics are all very similar but slightly different in each way. Um, so, you know, the spin that a quarterback does when they receive the snap to find the laces, um, that was That was my bad habit you know either i couldn 't do it and if i couldn 't do it, then the whole play would fall apart um, now i 'm really good at it, I can do it with my eyes closed, but um that was that was interesting to watch and then just obviously how lazy my footwork was, man like my coach would constantly say get your feet right, you know, your feet aren't fast enough. And I'd be like, I can't move my feet any faster until I look at the film and go, well, actually, I'm taking an extra step here. I'm not being as efficient in my movements. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've picked up some some pretty bad habits that I've kind of fixed through no, watching the film. It's, it's, but, you know, from watching it from a, from a defensive perspective is a little bit different because you're looking at the opposition and that's what I really enjoy about sport is the psychological battles between one-on-one opposition or me versus the offensive scheme if I'm playing on defense you know it's kind of that I watch a lot of films so I can see what's about to happen
1: and there's there's a special feeling isn't there where you're preparing for a game and you see sort of a bit of a vulnerability in, in your opposition you like you know you, you sort of scheme something up and this goes for all sports but you know what what's that feeling like when you sort of draft something up work with your players or even yourself and it comes up or comes off on game day well what's that feeling like
0: Oh look there's you know i when 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 i'm playing i I love it because you know I'm a little bit arrogant when it comes to to being a defensive player because you need to be as a defensive player Absolutely. um but uh you know I would love it when I would get up to the line and call out the play that they were about to run about to run, <laughs> and I'd hear the coach call timeout. And I'm like, I got you, man, I got you, you know, and, and it's those trick sort of plays like uh, in American football when they throw in a trick plays, you know, you're not supposed to know that things are coming, but it's those small little details like the person that was in that position isn't there anymore or, you know, something happening. And, and one of my teammates, she's got this great story of I was playing against her and I've seen at, as, and I was on the defensive side of the wall at DB and she's come out at wide receiver and I'm like, wait a minute, What's going on here? And I'm like, it's a reverse. It's a reverse. It's coming from this side. So unfortunately, I couldn't get the, you know, communication over to the other side of the field in time, um, split second, you know, before the play gets run. But she's like, shut up, shut up. <laughs> so, you know, we laugh about that quite often. But it, it, it is really good um, being able to watch, watch film and understand the flow of the game. And that's what making a de- makes a defensive player really good is being able to um, know what's coming you know, you've only got a couple of options, but being able to see who's coming where and where you have to be makes all the difference.
1: No, that's great. And what, what do you, what do you enjoy most about your current career?
0: My current career? Oh man, I've, uh, you know, I've, I've had so many, you know, jobs in the last you know eight years. It's just sort of hard to, to pin down everything. And I guess where I am now is a little bit of uh, an evolution through our current, Covid situation, mm. you know. After you know, after I worked, finished working with Huddle, I went and did some work with a sports governance organisation, um, which is where I called it, sort of fell in love with being an advocate for women and women's equity on sporting boards and and um, making sure that they get a voice heard, you know, from a representation point of view. So I helped sort of develop a lot of uh, girls and women's programs for like grassroots sports organisations, which was really fun. Um, and then I ended up working with Touch Football at Footy Australia as a digital content producer after I went back to uni um, to do my sports journalism degree. So I spent some time traveling around the country, filming some Touch Footy, interviewing, you know, athletes like Ali Briggenshaw and Maddie Studden and, you know, Matt Dufty and, you know, the Touch Boys. And then it was sort of just time to start the family, mm. you know, yeah. and um, went back and, and did all that sort of stuff and then started my own business. Um, which I do as a side hustle at the moment. So I started working with sports organisations to develop how they can better manage their sponsorships through digital assets, through their storytelling. Um, You know, one of the things that I picked up out of my degree was how important storytelling is to being able to change the minds and opinions and and open people's mindsets to different um, athletes and their circumstances. So going Going and working with sports clubs to develop, you know, promotional films, coaching films, and then working with their sponsors to deliver what their sponsorship agreement is through assets that weren't physical. Because what we always find is, you know, as, um, businesses will sponsor athletes uh, or teams and they get their logos on their jerseys, they get their logos on, you know, merchandise. But What happens if the club... Um, You know, they change sponsors and they can't afford to buy new jerseys. You know, now this business is getting extra exposure and it just sort of, I wanted to be able to help sports clubs provide for their members uh, without putting any extra effort into the sponsorship aspect of things.
1: So, yeah, yeah, no, that's, and and, and what's your, what's your business?
0: So my business is called sportscontent.org. Um, You know, I've got some clients that I go and do all sorts of things with, you know, I had the pleasure of interviewing a couple of the original Matildas uh, for an AFL event, uh, Tasha Gale, uh, not long ago. Um, I do some work with some soccer clubs and AFL clubs um, and all sort of started working, um, you know, doing a lot of football highlight reels. So, you know, when we were starting up, I did a lot of the, the video and highlights for Gridiron New South Wales and that sort of just flew into there. Yeah,
1: excellent. Oh well, listeners, um, be sure to jump in and check that out. That sounds amazing. And you know, a lot of the lot of the work that you're doing, a lot of your advocacy work, those programs you've built, even your own businesses, it's all sort of driving, you know, such a great cause. And that's to obviously increase participation, help these uh, clubs grow and evolve. And um, you know, at the end of the day, trying to give opportunities for for people um out there in the community. So that's um, that that's fantastic work. And I, I guess that 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 uh, rolls into my next question is. You know, we spoke about it in the last episode, and for those those listeners that haven't had a chance to catch um, part one, please um, jump it back into your podcast feeds and give it a listen. Uh, we we spoke through uh, quite a lot, um, so definitely recommend that. But tell us a little bit about how you've balanced all of this work that you've been involved in and continue to be um, involved in, and, and your sport. How have you sort of balanced that throughout your career?
0: Yeah, look, you know, as um, you know, the business kind of got put on hold a little bit during COVID, as as most businesses did. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to actually pick up a, a casual job. Um, and I, I say casual because it really, it wasn't casual. It was very high intensive. Um, but I was working in the NRL bunker for the 2020 season as a, um, a film technician, a video technician for them. So pulling in the, the different angles for the video refs and things like that. And that was the most high stress environment that I've ever been in. And it should have been because it's an elite level sport. Um, so that kept me busy during covid and during that time as well, I decided to go back to uni. So I kind of scaled back and was able to look at the opportunities that I had in front of me with COVID and, um, you know, really tap back into what I enjoyed in life, which was uh, coaching, you know. So um, so I've gone back to school to get my PE degree uh, so I can work with with coaches and, and we'll work with the students at the schools that I'm working at at the moment and uh, it's just, it's hard. You know, it's having a family, it, it takes a lot of toll out of, um, of time generally but, um, you know, from a, a sporting perspective, obviously we're in a break now because we're in COVID, but having, you know, my partner is head coach and, and me coaching the same team whilst having a two-year-old um, gets very hectic at times Um, but it's all you know we wouldn't change it you know sport is everything to to our family it's how we became a family and it's the same way that I feel about my players and and my kids that I coach so it's 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 really you know a visceral for me to be able to be a coach
1: and I I think sometimes um, you know fans sort of look at athletes as sort of these young 20 year old Single people that have no responsibilities and are able to just solely focus on their sport but that 's just not the reality um, you know the, the large amount of um, of our athletes obviously have families and responsibilities and and obviously um, you know those that aren 't in, in those in those elite professional environments uh, where you 're getting those big salaries you 're often working as well so um, you know it 's certainly a lot 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 to, to manage. Is there any sort of strategies that you 've sort of come up with just to sort of, give, I guess, fine balance in your life and, and sort of make it a little bit easier on yourself?
0: Oh, look, it's it's just time management. You know, you've got to be kind to yourself. Um, and what I've sort of realised is that it's okay to take time for yourself. Like, as a coach, like, I'm constantly thinking, you know, I'm on social media, just browsing social media, um, and I'm finding drills that I send to my my players. You know, I'm, I'm finding ways to keep them engaged at the same time and, you know, especially trying to manage um, in an active household, um, it's okay to let some of the things slide because at the end of the day, your family is your family and it's family first and yourself first because if you're not good with yourself and your family, then you, you cannot be good to your athletes. So, you know, looking, looking after your health from a mental health and a physical health perspective is so important for maintaining some sort of, you know, semblance of a real life because sport just takes over your life. It really does because you're so passionate about it. You give time to the things you love.
1: Absolutely, no. It, it's certainly it's certainly a big love of uh, of ours, obviously sport. Um, but yeah, you spoke about you know just maintaining your, your priorities and trying to keep that in order. It's certainly easier said than done, but um, no, there's some there's some really good advice there. And speaking of advice, so uh, again, you, you've you've done you, you've gone through uh, quite a, a number of struggles uh, throughout your career. Ref- reflecting on that, what advice would you give to a young athlete?
0: Think I would probably say, don't settle for anything less than what you deserve, um, which is the same as everybody else. You know, and it wasn't until um, you know, like I said in the previous episode, I was doing you know this uh, the MCing for Sport New South Wales and uh, hearing that a majority of the girls are still dropping out of sport at, at that critical 15, 16, 17 year old age group. And here I am standing on the stage with Samai Matalfa, who had gone to a school in that area and was a product of what working hard and, and uh, you know, doing it for your family really meant. Um, and so it was just, you know, it's just, It's just about the girls just to keep going because the women who are in my situation, you know, I I talk to the girls now about they have so many more opportunities that I never had and I would have killed for those opportunities when I was younger, Um, you know, and my advice is just to keep going and keep pushing because the older women are working hard to make sure that you have everything that you are, um, you know, that you deserve down the track.
1: Absolutely. Why do you think they're still dropping out?
0: Look, it's still a whole, I mean, it's helping. Like the representation in the media is definitely helping keeping girls engaged, you know, and we've spoken a lot about pathways. It's just so important. Um, You know, you look at the athletes that that are the elite athletes in their sports at the moment, they were the, you know, a victim of these um, broken pathways. You know, you look at girls like Kezi Apps who played with boys until she wasn't allowed to play anymore and, you know, they come back into the sport. But if we consider the type of athletes that girls can be, if they are given the same amount of opportunities as the boys, it leads to a higher level of talent and a higher level of competition and now that you're looking at a professional media landscape with the AFL and the NRLW and professional women's sports being televised there's that continual discussion around why do I want to watch women's sports it's not as good of a game they're not as talented it's like well you know if you consider that uh, most of the players start at a young at a latest later stage in their life they haven't been given the same training training that men ha- or boys have had. They haven't been given the same opportunities, and it's only just starting to come about now. The game's only going to get better. And if you look at it from the perspective of well, the men's games here, is it going to get any higher? Whereas the women's the women's game in all all sports has so much potential to reach up to where the men's uh, the men's leagues are. So that's the state of play at the moment is changing and it's been fantastic to watch for the last 10 years but my gosh there's still some ways to go
1: yeah absolutely and trying to remove some of those barriers you know I think for young sports people you know when when you sort of you know you sort of get really committed to a particular sport you've got to have like a healthy arrogance about yourself and you've got to have a lot of confidence in yourself to just go on and push it as far as you possibly can and that that's easy for uh, for young men in this country because, you know, if you're 13, 14, 15, you can see the path. It, it's very clear, you know, under 16s and, you know, whether it's, you know, rugby league, SG ball, Harold Matz. you know, going to different sports schools and things like that. It's very, very clear if you want it, this is how you kind of progress. And obviously that just hasn't been the case for young women uh, in Australia uh, for multiple sports. And hopefully we're starting to break that down and um, Stacey, some of the brilliant work you're doing. So, you know, if you've got some, some young girls coming through, you can sit down with them and show them the path. How, How do they get from being a talented teen in sport to, you know, trying to represent their country in, in in some of these sports. You know, hopefully. I mean it's it's
0: it's it's really a it's really cyclical. Um, from my perspective, is that you know the characteristics that you just mentioned about being that you need that arrogance and that confidence as an athlete. You know, women's girls struggle with that. You know, and and if you look at it in the fact that sport can help break down the mental barriers to you not being as confident as you probably should be because. You know, I, I know that on when I'm playing uh, you know, defense, my persona is different. Like I'm a baller, you know, and, and I've got no issues owning that whatsoever. But that confidence only comes from being able to accept it within yourself. So sport plays such a massive component of, of shedding away your own internal struggles of I'm not good enough, I'm not confident enough, I'm never gonna be this, to all of a sudden opening it up to being, okay, well, if I'm a beast On the football field like why can't I be a beast in real life so it's just it's just those that cyclical cycle of of not having opportunities for women you know and it takes me back to a conversation that we were having with my year 12 girls because I coach at a school in Sydney we were talking about different sports and you know one of the girls is like well why can't we play AFL as a school sport and you know the teacher that was with me was like, well, that's a really good question. Um, You know, we just don't, we don't have the programs because we don't have the girls. It's like, well, you know, but I I play AFL on the weekend. Like, why can't I, why can't I do it at school? It's like, well, again, it comes back to the fact that girls haven't been offered that place in younger contact sports for so long that you can't have a program that exists yet because there's not enough girls exposed to it, nor are they talented enough. Um, So the sooner that, schools start getting involved in breaking down some of those barriers for girls sport as well and there are plenty of schools that do it really really well um, but schools play a massive part in like managing girls winter well-being when it comes to sport
1: yeah no that that's a that's a really interesting point you know you think about you know there you know you, you think about some of these governing bodies and schools and and, and different sporting organizations there, there's a lot of challenges ahead in terms of being able to establish these systems but Whilst they are difficult, it's just so important because, you know, there's always, there's always going to be challenges, uh, you know, running these organisations and setting these things up. But if we can get smart people in these roles, they can overcome those challenges, set up these pathways, and then hopefully we can see a new wave of athletes sort of come through over the next decade or two. And, uh, you know, we, we talk about the Olympics that are on at the moment. Um, just think about where we can be in 10 or 20 years' time if we continue to um, yeah, improve in these areas. Uh, let's let's step away now and, and have a bit of a, a bit of a discussion about you joining uh, the the network. So, you know, you've you've recently joined the So You Think You Can Ball uh, network. What's the most exciting part for you?
0: Look, being able to share the stories of of athletes and the amazing people I've met over the last couple of years is is really, um, again, it just goes back to the role that I want to play. Um, in the representation of women in sport in the media Um, I want to tell the stories that haven't been told before and give recognition to the athletes that paved the way for the generation that's coming through Um, you know so it's really exciting to be on a platform that supports um, you know women in sport uh, and also just to discuss sport in general because you know as as what's on the network. We do our NRL, we do NRLW and, you know, being in the bunker and spending a lot of time with the girls, uh, with NRLW uh, girls over the last couple of years, um, it's so amazing to see the potential that is in the NRLW system. And then, you know, looking at NFL, um, you know, I could just talk about it all day, Mm. you know, and and couldn't we all? I mean, and it's coming up soon, so I'm super stoked.
1: Yeah, and then we just just think about, you know, imagine if there's a a young listener out there that, you know, jumps on – Jumps on the podcast, has a listen to even if it's just one story, and if they can sort of relate to it, hey, that's me, you know, that's some of the the challenges that that I've sort of dealt with, and you know, if we can just hopefully inspire, you know, someone out there just to stick it out and continue with it. Um, I, I think you know. I, I think that would be that would be a huge achievement for us. And uh, and then, as you said, we, we've got quite a lot of uh, quite a lot to say about a, a, a wide range of sports. So, um, yeah, listeners, uh, if you if you haven't already, please uh, tell your friends, tell your family, tell friends of friends about our new sports network. Uh, we promise we're we're doing things a little bit different, and hopefully, we're giving you some um, some interesting um, insight there. So, thinking about the net, the network itself. You spoke a little bit about um, the, the the women's game, the women's rugby league. Um, we'll just touch on that a little bit. So, what, what do you think? Sort of, what do you think? Sort of the most impressive part of, of of that particular sport at this point in time?
0: Yeah, look, I think it's just the opportunity for the girls to go out and perform on a stage um, at that next level, you know, and, and because the girls have been crying out for it for years and years. Um, you know, uh, the last couple of years have been have been good, you know, small teams, not many games played, um, you know, the approach that the NRL has taken is um, sort of been flipped on its head with the way that the AFL, you know, AFLW ran their program. You know, they decided to go big, hard, bold and build from the top down, whereas the NRL has really focused from a top level up type situation despite the lack of pathways and things like that. Once they committed to the idea of the NRLW, you could really see progress at the lower grassroots levels. To be going, hey, this is your opportunity right now. You're not going. To, we'll, we'll work up to it for the next couple of years. So the expansion of the new teams and the NRLW is going to be super exciting. But it's also really exciting for that next, you know, the under level, the Harvey Norman premierships, and the, um, you know, the BHP premiership. premiership um, leagues to get their players up and we'll finally see the next generation of nrlw players coming through just at the time when it's just about to hit its peak
1: yeah no it's it's an interesting space and I, i think one of the standouts for me is just the quality of those competitions like you said because of the the nrl model where they've tried to go for you know smaller numbers you know high quality you know obviously the nrlw is is a very high quality um, competition, arguably, yeah, the, the, the most elite in, in, in the world. But to your point, these state competitions, you know, we're, we're, we're still seeing some some absolutely amazing football teams, some stack rosters that are um, going out there and doing amazing things. So, um, yeah, there's certainly a, a, a large amount of uh, quality football being played at the moment um, at state level as well.
0: Well, the, the great thing about the football that's happening at state level is the amount of exposure through other sports. You know, so playing gridiron is I've played against so many of these, these rugby league players because, you know, they all love to hit, hit and they all tackle really hard, um, you know, and it's just so it's, it's a, the women's sport community is really small um and chances are if you play a sport then you will know someone who plays this other sport which means you're more likely to go and watch this other sport but it just goes to show that the caliber of athletes that we have in sydney and new south wales is at a really high level um but they all come from all these different sports and it's just so amazing to watch all the different techniques be able to work together Mm. you know some of the big you know you know the Couple of the big ones coming out in the last little while is you know Renee Target, um, you know played Origin, didn't play but you know was was named in the Origin side for New South Wales and she's been a gridiron girl. She went to the World Cup and all that sort of stuff as well. Um, You know Pierre playing with the Bears and a whole bunch of girls that playing against. um, You know I I I don't like playing against some of these girls because they're massive. (laughs) You know they're huge. They're hard to stop. Um, You know so that's that it's it's just a really good community to be in right now because uh, you know, everywhere is up going up for women and uh, we're all really good at really supporting each other.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, it's a, it's a, it's a great, great community and, and something we're really looking forward to um, being a part of and, and and promote a little bit more. So thinking about um, your career and, and all the things you've done, um do you have any regrets? Is there anything that you would go back and do differently if you had an opportunity? For
0: sure. For sure. I mean, I, you know, half of, me, half of me wishes that I had stuck with playing softball because I loved it, um, you know, but what broke it for me was, you know, they took softball out of the Olympics the year that I would have been eligible enough to compete and I was on that pathway. Um, you know, I was on that track and that just, it just broke my heart, you know, and, and that, was, that was many, many years ago. But I wish I had a step with it because here I am watching the Olympic softball team and they're the same age as me. So you know looking back on it that was probably one of my biggest regrets um, but at the same time, I'm not quite ready to give up you know the cleats yet I'm not ready to take them off hundred um, percent so I think getting out of this lockdown is going to be what I'm going to need to you know get back out there and, and, and give it a give it a final crack before I get well too old and broken
1: yeah no I, I think that's um, I think that's that's fair you know in, in terms of in terms of retirement, you know, you know, it's uh, just one of those things where, where you wake up and you, you know it's time. And um, no, Stacey, you've, you've got a you've got a lot more a uh, lot more in you that that's uh, that, that's for sure. Uh, let's let's talk about now some of your goals. Do you do you have any sort of do you have anything that you want want to sort of tick off in the sporting arena? Is, is there any other goals that you have um, written down for yourself um, moving into the future?
0: Yeah, look, you know, I'm, I'm really keen just to, to knock out this degree because um, that will just set up our family uh, for the next couple of years, you know, with having a daughter. And by the time I finish that, she'll be in school, so we'll be able to take advantage of those school holidays. So a big goal is to get our family, uh, you know, plan sorted and, and structured so that sport can fit around that. From a sporting perspective, you know, I'd really love to be able to coach for, you know, the national teams for football coming up. Um, you know, like I said, I'm really looking forward to the, um, the flag football demonstration sport and the World Games coming up for flag. Um, I find a lot of um, pleasure in coaching non-contact flag um, from a strategy perspective and uh, plus it gets the kids involved and I love watching tiny kids play football. It's just so adorable. Um, but then, you know, I'd, I'd love to grab another ring of my own at some point and potentially if if the World Cup goes ahead for women in the next couple of years, and I'm not too old. I think the oldest player that's played on the national team is about 42. So, with a couple of years left in me, tick that off, and and I think that'll be me done, and I'll be happy to sit in my chair and coach football for the rest of my life. Really.
1: Well, everyone here at the network, as well as our listeners, will be following along as you as you tick, uh, as you tick all of them off, um, Stacey. We're 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 right behind you. Um, no, it's um it's it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting. That's for sure. Okay, now let's step into. Let's find out a little bit about your teams that you support. So we'll start off in the NRL. Who is the team that you support, and do you have a favourite player?
0: Look, we're in, I'm in a Dragons household. My partner is a very, very loyal, loyal Dragons fan. Um, and to be honest, you know, I'd always watched a little bit of footy. My pop was a massive, um, you know, Balmain Tigers fan, and, and I remember many, many a uh, know, years just listening to the radio and still to this day, hearing sport com- like NRL commentated on the radio or just on it, audio just gives me a really like nice sense of calmness, um, which is weird, but cool. Um, so they hold a, you know, the Tigers hold a spot in my heart. That's for sure. Um, my favorite player is definitely Ben Hunt at the moment he's had his ups and downs. Um, You know, when he first signed with the Dragons, he was a bit iffy. We we didn't know much uh, whether he'd come back because he, you know, had such a tumultuous time up in Brisbane and and his history wasn't real good, but he sort of found his place at the Dragons. And now I love watching him play because he's such like, he's such a little, he's just a little leader. You know, he's just a little monster. Um, You know, he's, He'll just take charge when he needs to. At the moment, I'm really loving his pairing with Jack Bird. Um, Jack Bird's been a real good pickup for us. I just love the intensity that they bring to the game. Um, But, you know, overall favourite player has to be Benji because no one does it like Benji.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, there are a couple of big names. You know, I was thinking about Ben Hunt the other day, just in terms of how much he potentially has to offer once he hangs up his his boots, you know. Just like you said, it can't be underestimated just the – just the pressure that he's been on his entire career, rightly or wrongly, mostly wrongly, to, to be honest. He, he's uh, he's a very talented athlete. But, um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, he certainly has a big future uh, after football just being able to sort of mentor, whether he wants to go into coaching or whatever his plans are. But I think he's got a lot of knowledge and experience that he can share because he has certainly been through quite a lot throughout his career and, um, you know, he's achieved quite a lot. So, no, I I think he, um, yeah, he's he's certainly a special player. You touched on Benji Marshall. Well, yeah, he's he's sort of come through and uh, changed the game, brought a bunch of uh, new fans to the game, and I guess we're starting to see some of those fans now play alongside him. You know, Benji, yeah, he's, uh, he's still hanging in there, but, um, yeah, such a valuable uh, part of the sport, that's for sure. All right, well, let's, let's turn over to uh, Women's Rugby League, so to the NRLW or the state competitions. What team do you support in that arena, and who is your favourite player? Look, my
0: favourite player... Is Jess Surges because she's just a beast. Like I just, I just can't with her. Like uh, you know, she just takes on the line with this ferociousness. Uh, when she gets going, she's hard to stop. Like I just, I just love what she does for the game. Um, plus, she's a really good ambassador as well. As far as teams go, look, I, I like to, I would like to stay consistent with the Dragons and the Dragons. But since they've just let Jess go to the Roosters, I'm not entirely happy about that. Um, so who knows? I think I'm just going to, I'm not going to pick a team this year. I'm just going to see where, where, where we go and then go, okay, well, this is my decision.
1: Yeah. Well, hopefully some of the younger Dragons girls can, uh, can win you back. I, I know there was a lot of disappointed fans, a lot of shock fans with, uh, just getting um, snapped up by the roosters. But, um, yeah, I know that team is uh, really excited to have her cause she is, truly electric on the edge and is certainly going to be racking up tries uh, in the upcoming tournament. So, no, that's a, that's a good choice, that's for sure. And then to finish off, um, tell us about your team in the NFL uh, and, and then again, yeah, some of your favourite players in the, in the NFL.
0: Yeah, look, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Patriots fan. And, and before you say bandwagon, look, I was in Massachusetts for a Super Bowl, um, so, th- and, so this is a long time long time um, Tom Brady was and still is the greatest that there ever has been ever will be I'm sorry but he is um, you just can't I don't know if there's a video that's going around on TikTok today he's warming up he's throwing dimes right into a jugs machine and jugs machine those ones just pop out the footballs for the receivers right this is de- like that I can't even tell you how hard that is because it's just unfathomable um, so he he was a driving force behind my love for the Patriots. Um, obviously, when he left to go to the Bucs, there was a big whole, oh, well, you're only a Patriots fan because you like Brady. It's like, well, no, you know, Belichick is the greatest coach from a defensive point of view. And, um, you know, I wasn't too happy with the pick-up of Cam Newton last year. Um, but, you know, we've just picked up Mac Jones. So he, from a, from a talent perspective, he's a lot like Brady. Um, but, again, We'll just see how it goes. Favourite players-wise, though, like I I love those nasty DBs, man, like, you know, Marcus Peters, the Stephon Gilmores, the Josh Normans, um, you know, those ones that will bring the boom and then make you pay if you're not on your game. You know, I, I love uh, you know Revis Island, Darrell Revis. You know, lockdown corners, But I love it. Defense wins championships. I'll yep. say it till the day I die.
1: No, it's a it's a good choice you've got there in the Patriots, um, and I think you just selected well. You know, you've gone on a great journey. Uh, they've they've certainly been incredibly successful. I mean, Brady, there's 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 so much to unpack there. Um, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll speak about it in future episodes. But how how is a guy in his 40s? How, how does he look? 27. What's his What's his secret? Is it his skincare routine? What, what's, he, what's his trade secret?
0: Oh, man, I've, uh, I did read his book. The um, oh, It was the Tom Brady. It was his workout book, um, you know, and the routines that he, that he does with himself. And, you know, he put this out when he was uh, like 37, I think it was. Uh, so coming into that time of my life now, I've gone, well, maybe I might read his book because clearly Tom Brady knows what he's on about. But it comes down to the fact that, uh, you know, he's got a great O-line. And, and they has to. Like any team that he goes to, he demands that he needs to have a good airline line, otherwise he's not productive. Um, you know, he's also smart with how he uses his body. You know, he's not a runner by any means. He's as slow as a giraffe, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when he gets going. But that quarterback sneak scores a whole heap of touchdowns, you know. So it's quite elusive. Um, to hear that he played the 2020 season, though, with a ruptured MCL is just ridiculousness. Um, who, who Who knows? Who knows? I mean, he looks... He looks like he hasn't. He looks better now than he did when he got drafted.
1: It just doesn't make sense, and I and I think you know these these elite sports uh, people. There's so much hate for them online, which is you know some of the some of the negative side of of social media. But sometimes, even if you're not a fan, you've just got to sit back and respect and, and enjoy this because we're never going to see another Tom Brady. There's never going to be seven Super Bowls. There's never going to be a player that. I mean, he's talking about comfortably playing past 45. I mean, you think about all the sports out there, where where are we seeing, you know, and, and it's not just participating and being a member of a team and being a little
0: bit productive. It's excelling, it, right?
1: It's just, it's just completely different. And then obviously, uh, for those that, uh, for those that, you know, uh, missed it, um, obviously, yeah, after all, all that success in new England to just, you know, jump into a new franchise and then go on and win, that's, um.
0: I but think. the way uh, – and obviously we're going to talk about this in, in, in future podcasts – but the way that they built the Bucs around Tom Brady, it was like, okay, Gronk's coming back. Okay, now you've got Antonio Brown. Okay, now you've got um, – oh, the last one. Oh, there was another one. Leonard Finette. You know, you just picked up, uh, you know, a top, top draftees for the last couple of years and you just put them all in one team and, you, and, and no one expected – that you were going to win the Super Bowl, like, what? Are you serious?
1: No, don't you love it? It's just putting egos aside and just saying, Tom, who do you want? We'll go get them. We'll pay any price. We'll pull guys out of retirement. We'll pull guys off the shelf. Um, you know, what do you need to win us a Super Bowl? Um, he puts in his order and uh, and and gets it done, delivers it. So that's truly remarkable. And
0: you've got to respect an organization for giving the man the freedom.
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. you can't not. And that uh, that Florida Sun is doing wonders for him again. He's looking like he's in his 20s, so he's got some trade secrets there, which I'm sure he's going to sell uh, as part of his business moving forward. But, uh, no, that's that's, uh, that's a great wrap. So, Stacey, uh, we're out of time, so thank you um, so much for connecting in again on these one-on-one series. Um, You know, uh, I think our listeners are really looking forward to you um, sort of getting out there and and interviewing um, some sports people yourself. So um, really looking forward to um, this series in particular. But yeah, thought it was a great opportunity um, to I guess open the door. And um, we really thank you for for being so open and transparent. I think there's just so much that we can take away from your uh, yeah from your episodes and what you've spoken about, some of your challenges that you've been through. And some of your advice for some of the young athletes, and all of the amazing advocacy work that you're doing for young women in sport—it's, it, um, yeah, it's it's incredible. So thank you so much for your time. I hope you enjoyed it.
0: No, I loved it. Thanks, Maida, uh, and look forward to the rest of uh, rest of the series.
1: Oh, excellent. Thank you so much, Stacey, and listeners. Uh, again, we hope you enjoyed the show. Stay tuned, download, subscribe, and we'll be back with uh, future episodes. This is Mojo Sports.